Hello and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Uh, come on, get, let, me, let me get some help thanking God that he indeed has, Jehovah has, the final say. No reason to fear, no reason to despair. I want somebody in this sanctuary to celebrate today that we have no cause to be like others who have no hope. In fact, if we are without hope, then, then if Jesus is not risen, then we are of all people most miserable. But we're here today to celebrate that he did not come down from the cross, but he decided to die just to save us. So no reason. I'm not scared of nobody. Scared of nothing. I wish I had a disciple who would make that your testimony. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the word. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the word. I, I, I feel this word. It's time. It's a word in season. And it comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31 a pretty sizable piece but listen whatever version or translation you have this is going to come from the good news translation Luke 16 verses 19 through 31 there once was a rich man who dressed in the most expensive clothes and lived in great luxury every day there was also a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who used to be brought to the rich man's door, hoping to eat the bits of food that fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the feast in heaven. The rich man died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in great pain, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. So he called out, Father Abraham, take pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and cool my tongue because I am in great pain in this fire. But Abraham said, Remember, my son, that in your lifetime you were given all the good things, while Lazarus got all the bad things. But now he is enjoying himself here while you are in great pain. Besides all that, there is a deep pit lying between us so that those who want to cross over from here to you cannot do so, nor can anyone cross over to us from where you are. The rich man said, 
Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house where I have five brothers. Let him go and warn them so that they at least will not come to this place of pain. Abraham said, your brothers have Moses and the prophets to warn them. Your brothers should listen to what they say. The rich man answered, that is not enough, Father Abraham. But if someone were to rise from death and go to them, then they would turn from their sins. But Abraham said, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone were to rise from death. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the feast in heaven. The rich man died and was buried. Verse 25, but Abraham said, remember my son, that in your lifetime you were given all the good things while Lazarus got all the bad things, but now he is enjoying himself here while you are in pain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to talk about Lessons from hell. Lessons from hell. Listen, if you would, to a familiar poem that many of you may have had to memorize in school. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be, for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That poem are the, is the words of William Ernest Henley's 1875 poem called Invictus. And some of you are old enough to remember that these were the words of Timothy McVeigh, a young man who blew up the Murrow building in Oklahoma City, killing scores of children and others. And as he faced his final moments, we as a nation back then were once again 
confronted with the issues of justice and judgment for the crimes he'd committed against humanity. The so-called justice system demanded his life. For some, this was not enough, and they wanted judgment to come on McVeigh for all eternity. And so when confronted with the issue of an afterlife, reporters quoted McVeigh as stating, and I'll never forget it, he will improvise, adapt, and overcome just like they taught him in the army, he told the press. But in a letter he wrote these words. He said, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to have a lot of company. Did y'all hear it? He said, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to have a lot of company. A lot of folks think that way. McVeigh, though, his ideology about the afterlife, he, he's not alone in that thinking. Articles have been written for decades about the shrinking numbers of people who believe in an afterlife. But only a few less than believe in the afterlife believe in heaven, and even fewer believe in hell. It's the paradox of our age, family, that we've got so much wealth and we're still so spiritually poor. An unknown author wrote this about modern life. He said, and I quote, we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but we have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more convenience but less time, more experts but more problems, more medicine but less wellness. I'll take it further and say that a lot of us have got food and we're still hungry. We've got deep freezers. We've got mink coats, so we've got fake fur coats now because nobody wants paint thrown on them. But we're still cold. We've got houses, but no homes. We've got big churches and mangled small souls. We've got all those things, and we're still jacked up. Have we all just written our own stories just to justify the ways we live? As we open the gospel according to Luke this morning, we see that Jesus is still ministering in the area of Perea on the east side of the Jordan, teaching his disciples the secrets of the kingdom of God. And as the the tax gatherers and sinners got around him to listen to his teaching. A group of Pharisees got around him also. This is the same crowd that began in chapter 15 to hear his parables about inviting everybody to God's feast, about, about seeking the lost that God does better than anyone about God calling us to put him first above the world. 
But the Pharisees didn't have an easy time with Jesus preaching, and at these last words, they scoffed at him. Yeah, right, Jesus, talking about some you can't serve God and money. Have you bumped your head? Get real. That's not what we teach. You can sense the tension building, can't you, between the Pharisees and Jesus with the d disciples and the crowd watching it all with bated breath. These two sources of religious authority, Jesus, the backcountry preacher on the one hand and the established religious hierarchy on the other hand, they were clearly at odds when it came to interpreting the, the, the will of God. A difference of opinions that put their religious teachings into a head-on collision. You, you see, in Jesus' day, there was a commonly held belief that went something like this. It went like this. If a person obeyed God's commandment, God would bless them. The result of that blessing would be long life, prosperity, and wealth. If you put it in a simple equation, it would go something like this. A, that is, you follow God's commandment, plus B, that is, you would get long life, equals C, that is, God's blessing, and you would get wealth. A plus B equals C. Simple, really. Except that the religious leaders who like the founding fathers of our country were the gentry, the rich, the makers and shakers. They had turned that common belief around so that now it said, if you're rich, then you must be blessed by God. Therefore, you must be in the will of God. C plus B equals A. So the Pharisees, to the Pharisees to serve money, that is to seek after the wealth and possessions of life. To them, that was the same thing as serving God because when you had wealth and possessions, it showed that you were favored by God. The rich believed it. The poor believed it. Even Jesus' own disciples believed it to be true. In John 9, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind. Listen. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused him to be born blind? Was it his own or his parents' sin? So by this standard, y'all, it was easy to determine who was in and who was out of God's favor. If you were poor, if you were unemployed, if you were ill, if you were deformed, then of course you were on the outside. Therefore, you must have sinned. Y'all stay with me, I'm going somewhere. For God clearly had not blessed you because you're in bad shape. But if, on the other hand, you'd been born into a wealthy, powerful family, if you'd been raised with a silver spoon in your mouth, if you had never gone without, never suffered, never wanted for anything, then, of course, you were one of God's favored people. God's blessing got to surely be on you and all that you did was within the will of God because you look like you're doing all right. So, so standing there in front of Jesus was a crowd of folk who thought that they were on the outside. 
Why? Uh, He had a group of disciples hoping to make it into the inside, a handful of Pharisees who knew for a fact that they were already on the inside, but the most of the folk listening to Jesus saw themselves as on the outside because they were struggling. On the struggle bus, poor, marginalized, oppressed, having hard times. They'd been drilled with this ethos of wealth and prosperity. Listen, y'all, wealth and prosperity, telling them that if you were having a hard time, must be something wrong with you because God rewards folk who do what's right with always having enough. Can I ask y'all a question? Do you know some good folk who struggle? Do you know some people who work hard every day trying to do what's right, but they still don't have two nickels to rub together? Do you know some people who try to play by the rules, who try to love everybody, who try uh, to honor God with their person and substance, what they have, who who try to follow him more nearly and still don't have a pot nor a window. If I get to your street, just say amen. If you can't say amen, just say mm. Here it is. He wanted them to know that Jesus wanted them to know it wasn't about who's in and who's out. His lesson that day was about eternity. He wanted them to understand that that, that you're missing the point focusing on what folk have in this world, how much they got. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. That ain't what this party is about. Jesus wanted them to understand that there is an eternal consequence for the ways we live today. It doesn't matter how much favor you think you've got today. Tomorrow is coming. He wanted them to know that we need to live carefully because the outcome in eternity may not be exactly what we expect from the point of view of this teaching several lessons get taught I want to argue from the very fires of hell Jesus says a whole lot of y'all who think you insiders gonna bust hell wide open I love Jesus. He was a radical. He was incendiary. He said, a whole lot of y'all see not both sees and a whole lot of y'all Bible thumpers, a whole lot of y'all scripture quoters, a whole lot of y'all song singers going to bust hell wide open. Some of y'all that break pews every week shouting, you are going to bust hell wide open. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't you be so concerned about what what folk think about you right here, whether you're on the inside or the outside. Jesus says instead, you better get yourself together because this thing is not about today. This thing is about eternity. That's what I want to do. I want to talk to some disciples who are so caught up in what's happening or not happening here in earth, in the earth realm, that you have forgotten about the real deal. And that is the fact that you're going to have to make up your mind where you're going to live forever. 
You so transfixed. I know some folk so happy they got a McMansion so fixed on that that they have forgotten about the fact they're going to have to find somewhere to live when they close their eyes. They're so transformed by what they drive that they can't get nowhere. They're so very enamored with what they have in the bank that they cannot envision what to do. I heard somebody say, if I made $35,000 a year, I'd kill myself. You better not do it because you ain't got nowhere to go when you do. Here it is. There are some lessons Jesus teaches and he teaches them from hell. And the first lesson he teaches us is this, that when you get to that place in eternity, appearances won't count. Watch verse 22. It says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the feast in heaven. Then listen to this. The rich man died and was buried. <laughs> Luke spends a lot of time at the beginning of this text uh, stipulating the opulence of the rich man's life, talking about his fine clothes and talking about his fancy house and talking about all that he had on the table to eat and that this poor man named Lazarus would come and just try to scrape up the crumbs from under the rich man's table. But, but one day it happened that, that they both died. Notice here the fanfare about Lazarus' death. Lazarus died and he was carried, the book says, by the angels to sit beside Abraham. And Luke paints the picture of a feast in heaven. That's where Lazarus went when he died. The lesson is, is very complicated. First of all, the lesson is I don't care how much you got. One of these days you're going to press a dying pillar. Ain't that what the old church used to say? It, it means that whatever you've got one day is going to belong to somebody else. You may as well get the aftermath in order. You, you, can, you can die today and die in your car, but that will never get buried in the cemetery. And even if it does, you ain't going to stay there for eternity. Here's the rub. Lazarus had the trappings and finery of a fine imitation of a life-worthy farewell, uh, carried away by angels sitting at the feast in heaven. The poor man who had nothing gets this kind of send-off. And then Luke editorializes tersely. He said, the rich man died and was buried. Case closed, story over. Don't we get full of ourselves sometimes? This is Jesus' way of making it clear that when you got to meet this date with destiny, when you've got to cross over from here to over there, you ain't going to stay here. You, 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 may not, you may not have to stay where you are, but you got to go somewhere. You may not be able to go where you want to go, to the cemetery of your choice, but you're going to leave here. That's Jesus' message. All of this fanfare, hoopla, all of this drama, all of this heat and, and, and no light, all of this talk about what you have and how you look and all of this tick-tocking about how good you look and making them faces and pursing up your lips and carrying on turning to the side and doing little dances that ain't nobody ever seen before. All of that stuff, it may be fun right now, but I hope while you're doing it, you are thinking about where you're going to spend eternity. I hope when it's over, you give some thought to the fact that every day is not going 
be spent with 10,000 followers. There will come a day when you're going to be by yourself having to go where you got to go. Lazarus was carried by angels and sat by Abraham at the feast in heaven. The rich man died and was buried. Jesus' message is the way things look now can be overwhelming. But the good news is the way things look now is only temporary. Can I talk to some people who are in trouble right now, who are struggling and suffering right now? You need to know Jesus is signaling to us that where you are now, it's nothing but a temporary spot. That where you're going to be matters more than where you are right now. I'll never forget being really, really low and financially struggling as a young person and that and I knew that better days could come and, and, and I got together my wife and I got together I said finally I don't know some small thing we had done we had been through so much I said this is living she looked at me and she said oh no I'll tell you when we're living you ain't gonna stay where you are. Look at somebody and tell them, I ain't staying where I am. Yeah, this thing is temporary. Whatever you're going through, it's not going to be for eternity. What's more important than where you are now is where you will be one of these days. Jesus makes it plain that when you get to that juncture in the road of your life, appearances won't count. Nobody is going to care one day who the label is on your clothing. Nobody is going to care one day how many followers you had on social media. Nobody is going to care one day how your reputation was handled by the folk who hate on you. Now, nobody is going to care one day about what you drove in on. Nobody is going to care one day about how many coins or bitcoins or whatever you got in the bank. It's not going to matter one day because on that day, appearances won't count. Can I get somebody to be less concerned about how you look because the folk who are passing judgment on you, you don't like them and they don't like you. You may as well try to love them because y'all are never going to be friends. Appearances are not going to count when you get down to the river where you have to give an account of how you lived and how you treated folk and how you believed. What was your faith walk like? What was your devotional life like? You are never going to be, is never going to be as important as you think it is right now. Appearances won't count. Jesus says not only that, but, but faith will count. Listen to verse 23. Uh, the book says, and in Hades, Jesus is talking, where he was in great pain, he, meaning the rich man, looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. There's a great reversal here, family. The poor man dies and is whisked away to Abraham, a man who was known for his faith. The rich man dies and just got buried. The reversal comes not because of riches or poverty, but, but Jesus uses Abraham here to signal that the reversal comes because of faith. 
Listen, where you are right now, I done told you, it's temporary. Appearances ain't going to count on the day when you've got to meet Jesus, when you've got to meet uh, the judge of all the living and the dead. No, appearances won't count, but faith will count. The question is, when you were going through, how did you go through? Did you go through knowing that there's a bright side somewhere? Did you go through believing that no matter where I am right now, weeping only endures for a night, but joy will come in the morning. When you were going through and too broke to pay attention, broke as a hate, didn't have a pot nor a window, did you believe, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus said, faith is going to count. So how you go through will determine what you get to. Jesus says, don't you be concerned about how you look because one day gravity is going to grab everything you got and drag it to the ground. Don't you be so concerned about what folk think because one day they're not going to be the judge. One day you're going to have to face God for the account of what you have done. Don't be so concerned about what you're driving because one day Peter says that somebody's going to have to take you everywhere you got to go and on one particular day you won't go nowhere unless six folk carry your casket from one point to another. Jesus says none of that other stuff counts on that day. On that day, faith will count. Here's the question. While you're going through right now, what do you believe about your future? While you're struggling right now, what do you believe about who's in charge? While you're struggling right now, what is your position on who has the real power? While you're feeling down and under the gun right now. Who is the one who has the final say? Jehovah has. I heard, I heard the song say, the final say. Whose report will you believe? I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you're going to look up and see somebody sitting next to Abraham who didn't have nothing. I know that's bad grammar, but it's good gospel. And he is the one, not the rich man who didn't believe nothing but what he had that's the one who's going to be sitting in the place of reward and happiness don't you want to know where you're going to spend eternity if you do want to know let me tell you something faith will count it won't matter what neighborhood you live in while you're down here you might be on halfway to hell boulevard on that day or you can be somewhere else sitting next to Abraham the man who by faith struck out from his own country and started journeying to a land he had never heard of and didn't know where it was. The Lord never told him where he was going to take him. Abraham just had enough faith that he would walk where God said to walk, when God said to walk, and wait until he got there to know that he had claimed his inheritance. That's the kind of God we serve. The Lord ain't looking for your wealth or your bank balance. He gave you everything you have. Matter of fact, he owns the breath that you're breathing. He owns the hair on your head. He owns the clothes on your back. He owns the relationships in your life. You are nothing but a caretaker, a steward of everything that is in your custody. It ain't even in your possession because you can't have something you never had. You don't have it. It has you a lot of times. Jesus says, if you want to know where you're going to spend eternity, then faith will count. Live today 
so that you can enjoy tomorrow. You will enjoy some today, but not the kind of joy that Lazarus had. He was sitting next to Abraham at the soul food dinner in heaven. Appearances won't count, family. Stop primping, stop preening, stop parading, stop peacocking, stop trying to impress folk with the way you look because appearances won't count. Oh, you need to look good. Now comb your hair. Get your head straight now. Come on now. Put, don't, don't iron your clothes. Don't, don't go out and make a bad impression. This is not, this is not black and white. This is, this is the nuance of living, which says even though you have some care about yourself, the things you have in your custody don't own you. Appearances won't count. But guess what? Faith will count because even the little bit you got will become more more. God will multiply it. God will blow your mind blessing you with more. But in the meantime, just know where it came from. It was not your hard work. You ain't now captain of your soul. You are the one who is responsible to the one who is the captain of your soul. This rugged individualism has gotten us nowhere. Especially exemplified on January 6th. Everybody has the right to do everything they want to do and never be and never be held accountable for the wrongs, the evil, the lunacy they have inflicted on others. No, Jesus says appearances won't count. Your independence means nothing, but faith will count. Not only will faith count, but here's another lesson from hell. You need to plan for death and invest in life. Watch verse 25, verse 25 says, but Abraham said, remember my son that in your lifetime you were given all the good things while Lazarus got all the bad things. But now he is enjoying himself here while you are in pain. Can y'all believe that an expensive funeral may just make for a miserable soul? I cannot tell you the number of folk I have presided over in death over all of these years. And I've seen some die angry and lonely, screaming in rage against God. I've seen some die who were popular in their day, seemed to have everything. But when they died, folk had stolen their money. They were gone on we know not where. Expensive funeral may make a miserable soul. I've, I've come to this conclusion, family, because I've learned that the average person does just the opposite. Jesus teaches plan for death, invest in life. The average person does it just the opposite. They plan for life and they invest in death. They have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted you know, they've got the 401k and they've got the mutual funds. They've got the paid up life insurance. They've got the last will and testament that they sometimes use to hit back at folk that they have hated during life. They've, they've got 
They've got, they plan for life situations. They know who's going to do what. I'm not telling y'all don't prepare. Y'all ain't going to have to do nothing when I leave here. Just read the paper. It's all there. I know the songs that I would like to have sung. I, I know the place I would like to be buried. I know uh, the program that I would like to have done. I know every person I want to say something and sing if they still living when I leave this place. Uh, that's just perfunctory stewardship responsibility. Uh, but, but there are people who plan for all the life situations. And, and this, this is a seductive and tragic mistake because the fact is one day life is going to exercise its own plans. What life really demands, y'all, is, is an investment. Get it investment. You, you ought to invest in life and plan for death. You, you ought to invest in life because what, what life demands is that. It demands some kind of an investment that says who you are. Don't you know that, that folk will remember you long after you've left this world if you make an impact in the world before you leave? Can I ask y'all a question? What will folk remember you for? Oh, she had a nice funeral. Everybody was there. I never seen so many flowers and all of them be dead tomorrow. I never seen so much food and all of that's going to get taken away by folk who are serving it and brought it and want to take it back home for their family. A, a, a large funeral is a wonderful thing, but the question is, what did you do while you were living? What investments did you make in the kingdom while you were living? Did you give to the poor? Did you invest in God's mission in the kingdom of God? Did you contribute to those who are struggling for justice? Did you march? If you couldn't march, did you write a letter? If you couldn't write a letter, did you go to the meetings? If you couldn't go to the meetings, uh, did you make some connections and pray? Uh, did you do something to make sure that justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream? But death, y'all, demands a plan. Life requires an investment. It requires that you leave something behind so that people know who's report you believed while you were standing here. That's really most important. That's an investment, not just in you, but that's an investment in the lives of those who come after you. What will you be remembered for? How you cussed folk, how you hurt folk, how you managed folk, how you fought folk, how you, you, you manipulated folk. Is that what you're going to leave as your investment in life? Or will you be remembered for how you tried to love somebody? Will you be remembered for how you did everything you could to make sure that nobody had hurt feelings left behind? You did the best you could to speak the truth in love. You did the best you could uh, to wrap your arms around folk who were ostracized and unloved by others. What was the investment you made in life? Did you invest it all in yourself? Did you get on video, on, the, on, the, on social media, showing your car off and showing your house off? and showing this, that, or the other off and you had no other investments anywhere but yourself. Can I talk to some churches right now? We face judgment when we invest more in ourselves than we invest in others. We face judgment when we've spent all of our money on ourselves, our incestuous budgets and do nothing uh, in, in like proportion to the folk who are the least of these, to the last 
Lazaruses who are trying to lap up crumbs under our tables. The church faces indictment if we don't show up in every good cause for which we have power to contribute. What kind of investment have you made in life? Joe Biden says it. Dave Ramsey says it. I will say it. That I, You can tell me all you want what you love. I'll tell you what you love when I show how you, when you, when I show you how I spend my resources. That is the investment life demands. That investment is a good one. That's one we need to make but but the mistake most people make is they is they invest in death and they plan for life that is to say uh, that the death uh, d death demands a plan death demands where you're going to spend eternity be answered you you ought to invest in life and plan for death because you need to make up your mind where your casket is going to be placed is not going to be enough sometimes the most ignominious funerals can yield the most productive results in eternity. I'm done preaching now. Can I just testify? If you really love Jesus, you ought to think about what he did. He, he, here's a cue. This was a clue, y'all, about where Jesus was looking. He, he said to the rich man, Abraham, he said it on the lips of Abraham to the rich man, listen here, you can't come back because the rich man really ratcheted up his game. He says, send that slave, send that boy, send that, uh, that uh, brown fella uh, down here so he can dip his finger in some water and put it on my tongue. And Abraham said, no, there's a gulf between us. We can't do that. And the rich man ratcheted up a little bit. He said, well, I tell you what, send that boy on an errand to my family. Send him down there so that so that they will know that they got to do better than I did. They've got to invest in life and plan for death. If I had known this was coming, I would have made a better plan for death. Abraham says with the voice of Jesus, listen here, you your family already got Moses. They got any number of prophets that if they won't listen to them, they're not going to listen to you because really the game was after Lazarus wasn't going to get sent to his family for to dip his finger in some water or to tell them the message they need to do better. His, his big thing then was, well, look, somebody who'd been dead, uh, wink, wink, somebody who'd been dead, if they come back and tell them just how they ought to change their plan for death, then maybe they will listen. Abraham said, no, they've had enough prophets for all of that. You should have thought of that while you were there on earth. Here's the thing. He had, he had planned, I'm sure, this big send-off, but the book says, he just he just died and they threw some dirt in his face that's all that happened it was the poor brother who didn't have anything he no doubt didn't have the money for a big fancy funeral he just was died he just died and the angels came and got him this is Jesus throwing some shade on the rich man but at the same time prefiguring his own death he said if you just you just suffer for a little while in due season God is going to elevate you. If you do the right thing and invest in life, make a difference in the world and plan for where you're going to spend eternity. I tell y'all, sometimes raggedy funerals will result in glorious results on the other side. Sometimes uh, these ignominious send-offs will be uh, the, what the doctor ordered when you get to the other side. Can I just go back and do like the old church used to do? Can I talk about an ignominious funeral? I'm 
brother. I want to press my case and try to make my point that sometimes when folk don't treat you right in death, it doesn't matter how, how long you've lived. It, it matters how well you've lived. It only matters the plan you've been making in eternity. Who was the one whose faith, who, in whom your faith has resided? If you know the right one, if you put your faith in the right place, you can lay down at the end of your journey and it won't matter what life has done to you. It, it won't matter what you died from. It'll only matter who you died with. Yes, Lord, if you just don't be so concerned about the appearance of things in this life, just make the investments where you can, then, then you will get the approval Jesus was signaling of him whose opinion is the only one that matters. That, that when you get to the other side, if you've invested in life and you've planned for death, even if your enemies seem to get the best of you, there is another side to your death story. Yeah! If you just know that when you invest in life, it pays dividends, sometimes not in this life, but it will help your plan for the next life. They lifted him high. They nailed him to a cross. They stretched him wide. But thanks be to God, Jesus understood this was a part of his investment. He invested his life like a sheep to the slaughter. He invested his ministry so that others who came behind would know what it means to love everybody, to beat the devil on his own turf. Yes, Lord, he invested his ministry so that when his enemies looked like they were gonna get the best of him and the vultures circled overhead, sometimes, y'all, it looks like ain't nothing gonna come from where you are, gonna come from what you've done, but you just invest in your life and help somebody. You just invest in your life in faith that can conquer anything. One of these days when you press a dying pillow, one of these days when you get to the other side, they may have nailed you to a cross. They may have let you die between two criminals. They may have put you in a bar or tomb. They may have not given you a grave marker. But I'm so glad that when God looks at the bank book, that when God looks at your investment portfolio, he will realize, oh, this is one of mine. I remember y'all when he was nobody. Come on up here and I'll make you ruler over many things. Yeah, I'm so glad serving the Lord, it will pay off after a while. Yes, Lord, I'm so glad that Jesus 
Let the rich man know that it does not matter what you've been through. It just matters where you're going to. I don't know about you. I don't care if I have a mansion here. I'll take it if the Lord sends it. But I ain't trying to make that my God. Yeah, I'm so glad the old saint said, I've got a building not made by human hands. Cause this old building keeps on leaning. I gotta go, y'all. But I will tell you, just invest in life and plan for your death. Because when this building, this tabernacle, shall have been dissolved because of Jesus, we got another building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Yes, I'm so glad that I'm going to leave here. Jerry Hawkins said, if you want to know where I'm going, just tell everybody. I'm going up yonder, I'm going up yonder to that place where the thief can't steal it and the moth can't eat it. Say yeah! I got any good students in this house. Did you learn the lesson? If you can't learn something that comes from hell, you can't learn nothing. Listen, when you get to that place in your life, appearances won't count. Your faith will count. get to that place to that state of being you you need to already have your business taken care of can I say it like this your business taken care of start now plan for death and while you're living invest in life Then you can leave here with great rejoicing. That's one of the things Lent hammers home for us. Walk with Jesus in a way that it will transform your life today. How many know that even though you don't have the right to be rich just because you live in America, how many know that this God we serve will take care of you? Invest in life. Plan for death. Know that you've got to see him one day. And when you do, what's going to be said 
come on up here and enjoy the blessings of your Father? Or will he say, get out of my sight? I never knew you. Here is the challenge. You can change your destiny today. This is our challenge. This is our invitation, our offer to you. Your life can be so much richer, so much stronger, so much more hopeful, so that no matter what comes or goes, what happens, the ups or the downs, you'll already know your plan is in place. And that an investment in life means that this God we serve, he'll find a way to show you his favor. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's just as natural as planting a seed in the ground and expecting it to grow. Plan for death. Invest in life. Do you want him in your life today who declared these things? Here's all you need to do. Just pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer based on the writings of Paul. If you pray, repeat these lines after me and mean them. It has already begun your investment in life and your plan for death. Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of the wrongs I've done. I need you as my Savior. I am powerless to save myself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's done. It has taken place. Your plan for death has just been signed. And in the meantime, this God is going to take care of you. This our testimony. Take care of you. God will take care of you. Come on, let's say it again.
CLT, or I want to know Jesus, I want to be a part of your church, whatever you say, just know that God will take care of you. Lazarus figured it out without even a checking account. You can do it today. We're going to leave this place, and as we do, just remember your lessons from hell, and everything is going to be all right. Come on, let's leave this place. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever, that all of God's people say, Amen. Go in peace.
Thank you for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link.